Welcome to the Motherhood Reimagined podcast, where we celebrate all paths to motherhood. I'm your host, Sarah Kowalski. Whether you're contemplating becoming a single mother, trying to be one, or already raising kids, this is the place for inspirational stories, expert advice, and informative guides celebrating those who didn't follow the rules as they share the heartache and joys of their paths. Be informed, be inspired, because you do not need to feel alone. Hey everyone, welcome to today's show. I just have a couple of announcements. Season one is going to be ending in a few episodes, so if you'd like to be interviewed or if you have any topics you want me to cover, please let me know and I'll try to fit them in before we take a break for the end of season one. Also, I'm still accepting founding members for my pregnancy support group. It's Empowered Solo Mama. It's a great opportunity to really take a conscientious look at your support network and spend some time building your support network before your baby comes, as well as time to dive in and look at some estate planning basics and support each other, be seen, just a way to step into pregnancy feeling supported and empowered. So don't miss your chance to sign up. I also just started a group for women who are contemplating moving abroad. We'll cover ways to think outside the box, how to really generate the courage to get moving, as well as how to tie up your life in the U.S. and generate ideas for income and possibility in other countries. If you're interested in that, shoot me an email and we'll get started in a couple of weeks. I have a ton of resources. I spent the weekend generating tons of worksheets and spreadsheets and great resources for that group. So if you're interested, please let me know. And finally, the Thinkers Triers group, the price is going to go up for that very soon. So if you're interested, you need to sign up before June 1st to get the $59 price. Otherwise, it's going up to $67. We already have some amazing women in that group and... We look forward to supporting a few more women on their journey. It's a great chance to hear from other women about what their journey has looked like. It's very educational from that perspective, as well as just wonderful to have an emotional support group of women who are on the same path and weathering the same kinds of ups and downs. And with all of my programs, if you're curious and not sure, please go to my website and sign up for a 30-minute free consult with me. I'm happy to sit down and chat with you about how we could work together either privately or in any of my groups. And also, I have a Facebook support group page called Motherhood Reimagined Support. It's a free group to get. And then on my website, I have a bunch of free guides, how to pick a sperm donor, guide to sperm bank policies, and a few other guides. And if you sign up for any of those, you get access to my entire free content library, and you'll also get my newsletters. Now let's get started with the show. Today, I'm joined with Katerina, who made the choice to be a single mom by choice when she was really young. I'm really excited to get her perspective on why she did it at such a young age. I know a lot of women think of being a single mom by choice as like a last resort, and she definitely did not. And so I'm really excited to hear what she has to say. Let's welcome Katerina. 
Hi, Katerina. Hey, how you doing? Good. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So I always start out by asking people what they envisioned for their life when they were younger and growing up in terms of marriage and kids and just their life in general. I always knew that I wanted kids. And yeah, I kind of wanted the typical, you know, get married and have kids type of scenario. And I come from a really small town where everybody gets married and has kids really young. (laughs) So I always envisioned that for myself. And I wanted a lot of kids. Now I have two and I'm like, I think I don't want that many kids. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. And so tell us what your path to motherhood did end up looking like. So like everybody always asks me like, how long did it take you to make the decision and, and all of that kind of stuff. And honestly, I woke up one day and I was really unhappy with my life and I just wanted something different. I didn't know what that would look like. And then I was like, you know what? I want to have a baby. (laughs) And it was that, it was that clear to me. I was like, okay, I think I'm going to have a baby. How do I do that? And I did know a couple other women, one woman who's, um, they had fertility issues who had gone through insemination to have her children. And then another woman who had had two children from a previous marriage and uh, wanted one more. And she had uh, been inseminated as well. So uh, artificially inseminated. And I was just like, hmm, sounds like a good idea. So at 23, I started researching fertility options. And it was so clear to me at the time. I think I didn't have like a OMG, what did I do moment until after I was already pregnant, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) which at that point there was no going back. But I think, but I think every mother has that, whether you choose an alternative method or, or you are in a marriage or it's a one night stand, like no matter how you go about becoming a mother, I think there's always a, oh my God, I'm going to be a mom moment. So yeah. So I just went to a, a fertility clinic and picked a sperm donor. (laughs) And I picked a couple sperm donors and they told me, you know, don't be scared if it doesn't take the first time. And it did. So that is how I became a mother at 23. (laughs) Wow. That's awesome. I was born four days before my 24th birthday. Wow. Did you have a pretty strong support network so that you weren't worried at 24 about or 23 doing it on your own or what was your life like at 23 that made you comfortable to do it? I did. I did have a very, I did. My parents were very, very supportive. They were very excited about being grandparents. It was their first grandchild. Um, I had a steady job and I had a lot of friends who were very open, just very open-minded and could see, because they they kind of, it was just like a known fact about me that I love children and I wanted to be a mom. So nobody was really surprised when I made this decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had a very good support, support network, definitely. Mm-hmm. That's great. And can you talk a little bit more about how you chose the donor and what that process was like for you, what you were sort of looking for in a donor and 
yeah, what was coming up for you when you were choosing a donor? Yeah. So I, I think the process of picking a donor is slightly hilarious because it's like online dating profiles essentially, but you never get to meet them. You just get their stuff. So (laughs) I, um, I just kind of looked through and just felt like, I don't know, like I know it sounds silly, but just read their profiles and kind of felt like who I vibed with almost like it was like, uh, I was like, Oh, that person sounds kind of, kind of (laughs) cool. And I know that that's silly, but some of the features that I was definitely looking for is someone who was artistic, someone who had a musical background. I don't know why I was drawn to that. I was looking into different ethnicities. I had picked three, the three different donors that I had picked was the first one. He was Creole and Native American. And then the second one was actually, he was Swedish And then the third one was actually Chinese. So I was kind of exploring having a child with a different ethnicity. And then the three profiles that I ended up choosing were all very different. And I just kind of gave it up to God or the universe, whatever you believe in it, like whatever donor was supposed to be the donor of my child, it would take that time. So for me, there was like a, like, just like a surrender kind of thing. to the whole process and it ended up taking the first time so my son is creole and native american and me (laughs) nice and can you paint us a picture of what it was like what the what your life was like in the early days being single and having a baby on your own so it was really it was kind of hard in the beginning because i so I was still living with my parents at the time because I wanted that support network when I had a newborn by myself and, and I still had to work. So I still had to go. I went back to work when he was five weeks old. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. He was so teeny tiny and my work was very, I had a really wonderful situation because I worked at a school that was actually walking distance from my house. So mm. he would, my, he would stay with my mom and I'd go back every two hours to breastfeed. Mm. So it was an ideal situation. And then, and then I actually couldn't, had a hard time with him being away from me. So I ended up taking him for a while <laughs> to school and I would just have <laughs> him in, I would just have him in my classroom, in my stroller, in the stroller or in the playpen. And I wore him a lot and he was very, he was a really good baby. So I think it allowed for that. Not that there's bad babies, but um, <laughs> very, like he was, he was a very calm baby. So he, there wasn't a lot of screaming or I just wore him in an ergo for the first six months of his life, essentially. Wow. <laughs> while so I was awesome. working. Yeah. It's amazing so I got that to, your job let you do that. Cause that, I mean, that should happen more often, I feel like, but it, I definitely. would imagine that's a very rare scenario. Yeah, I definitely, I feel like my situation was a very rare, very rare scenario that led me to have this as an option because I think not all young women have that, you know, there's so many different things that have to, that go into thinking about having a baby by yourself, you know, mm-hmm. financially and childcare and all of those things. And some of like the essential parts, like 
I had it covered. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, it was, I was definitely blessed in that area. Yeah. Yeah. If a woman was younger, as I mentioned before, I feel like a lot of women really consider having a baby on their own via sperm donor as like their absolute last resort. And that it's, it's almost sort of, I think when people first start thinking of it, it like feels like a failure. Like I wasn't able to find a partner. And so I'm going to do this on my own. And even though people call, call it single moms by choice, it's a lot of women really hate that term because they're like, it was not a choice. It was a last resort. It was my only option. And you obviously had a really different view of it. Yeah. So there was, I I actually love telling this story. So when I was a senior in high school, we had to write our 10 year plan about what our life would look like from graduation for the next 10 years. Mm. And mine was basically, if I'm not married by 24, I'm going to have a baby by myself Mm -hmm. (laughs) was in my 10 year plan Mm -hmm. because I did not, I, and this is a really essential part. I'm like technology allows me to do things and become a mother on my own terms, why do I have to depend on a man in order to make that happen? Like I wanted a baby Mm -hmm. and I was going to make that happen regardless of marriage. So yeah, when I woke up at 23 and was like, oh yeah, remember, remember that I don't have a man in my life. Maybe they'll come, maybe they won't, maybe I'll be a single mom forever. But it was just, I just let go of that thought that I needed to be in a relationship that I needed a man to help me become a mother. Mm -hmm. So I just, I just did it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And what advice, so if there are younger women who are sort of in that mentality of like, Mm -hmm. I just know I want a baby and there is no partner. What would you tell them about going for it alone? I I really think that it was the best thing that ever that I ever did. I think that it helped me. My joke is like me and because I did it so young, it's like me and my son grew up together. Um, <laughs> so it I, it just matured me in this way that I that I just really needed, and I just I became more solid just in myself in mm-hmm. my in my decisions because I was doing something so different different than the norm. Um, and I just, I just felt more solid in who I was as a person mm-hmm. through the whole process. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that led to me being able to like have the capacity to even be in a mature relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, because before that, like I was just so done with the, you know, the young immature men that were, that it was just like partying and just like dating. And I just didn't understand the point of it. Like I wanted something more. I wanted something more mature and, and just more. And I think that becoming a mother before being in a relationship helped that because I knew what I didn't want anymore. And I think that knowing what you don't want in a relationship and knowing what you don't want for your life is really essential to figuring out what you do want and what you and the person you want to be. So That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like the choice to have a baby alone was very empowering. And I feel oh, yeah. very similarly that it created this rudder for me. But I know when a lot of women are debating it, it, it doesn't feel empowering. It feels horrible. So I just think it's awesome, you know, and people choose it because they're kind of up against the clock. So I just love hearing from someone who had tons of time to have a baby still that was like, this is an awesome choice. I feel super empowered. I'm going to do this. So I really love hearing that. So thank you. You're welcome. Because a lot of the women who choose this are older. um, And I do think there's a lot of benefits to being an older mom. 
but it's mm-hmm. also really awesome to hear the benefits of doing it really young. And it sort of seems similar, actually, that sort of like that rudder and that purpose that having a baby gives you. Yeah, I think no matter how old you are, having a baby baby does something to you, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like it changes something. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so what was the most surprising thing about having a baby on your own? God, that's a tough one. Honestly, like I wasn't prepared for like the loneliness, honestly, which is another thing that led me to have to be more solid in my, in my own self. But, you know, I went for, I was this young person going to, going to bars, hanging out with my friends, sitting around the fire, you know, like all of those things you do when you're young and then it changed overnight and so it was like seeing all of my friends just still have this freedom, that was a struggle for me. And it wasn't like I felt trapped. Like I didn't question what I did, but I just, it was a real learning moment of like, oh, gosh, I'm so lonely, which I think a lot of first time moms go through is that, that just deep seated loneliness of like your entire life is changing and you have to figure, figure it out. And I also did suffer from postpartum depression. So that was definitely a surprise coming, becoming a mother. But other than that, I felt like I was pretty prepared. I just felt, yeah, I felt like, like being a mom kind of came naturally to me in, in all other aspects. Mm-hmm. And then with your first child, because I know you've had a second and we'll cover that in a minute. How have you handled like the donor conversation with him? and others around you? So I don't know. I just, I wait for it to come up in conversation and I'm just very matter of fact about it. You know? Yeah. Like a lot of people find out that a Darrow's not biological to my husband and they're like, Oh, from a previous relationship. And I'm like, no, I used a sperm donor. And some people are shocked and some people are like, Oh, okay. That's kind of cool. <laughs> um, and then with a Darrow, it kind of, he remembers a time when my husband wasn't around. So I kind of told him like that I wanted a baby and so I a doctor helped me is how I explain it to him Mm -hmm. and then it comes up in conversation we haven't like sat down and had like a deep conversation like he's not even he's only six but Mm -hmm. we talk about like when it was just me and you before dad was around so he remembers and we I just kind of let it flow with the conversation and just yeah just kind of like I have a plan and I have a box of my journey. Mm. I have a journal, a journal that I kept. I have information about the sperm donor in there. I actually have baby pictures of the sperm donor that looked just like a Daryl. It's so cute. Um, <laughs> and so I have this information in on reserve for when he does start to get curious, but I just don't feel like now's the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, so let's talk about the fact that you are married and how that came about. So you must've started dating at some point in time when Darrow was pretty young. Can you tell us how, how that evolved? Yeah. So I started because I was just, you know, wanted to like that there's that loneliness and like, I just wanted to just be, you know, as a mom, I think a lot of people go through this. You just want a moment to just be you that where you're just not a mom anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I had weaned, so I'd finally weaned him. Not finally. I wish I had breastfed him longer looking back, but he was like Mm -hmm. 19 months and I had weaned him and I was just like, I just need to be with my friends. I just need to be me and not just a dare 
Darrow's mom. And I was like kind of thinking about dating, but I wasn't really, you know, I had, I would go on dates, but I was always very upfront about like, I'm a single, I'm a single mom. So like, you just need to take that into consideration dating me. Like, I'm not going to compromise anything for, for you that involves my child, just an FYI. <laughs> um, so my, my husband, we were actually friends first, mm. which, so he knew, he knew my journey with Adaro. He, he knew when I, like we talked when I was pregnant and I, I never considered him. Like I always thought he was cute, but I had never really considered him as like a potential partner. But then we went out one night and something kind of clicked and, and this was pretty, like I'd probably gone on two other dates besides him after mm-hmm. having a Darrow. Mm-hmm. And I just remember we were on a date and I said to him, I was, I was like, I feel something here. I was like, but if you are not prepared to be the father of someone who is not biologically related to you, then walk away. Mm-hmm. So, and I was very direct and very like, I feel like there's something going on here. I, I want to be with you. But if that is not a possibility for you, then that's the end of it. And he was like, okay. And that was the end of it. And we were engaged like six months later and pregnant with our daughter surprise, like two months after getting engaged. (laughs) And then it just kind of like things just fell into place after that. But I was very, I will not compromise being a mother for a relationship. You're either coming into what's going on with us or you go about your father's business because I'm not messing around. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very important that you make a decision. Like, are you looking for a potential mate or are you just having fun? Because if you're just mm-hmm. having fun, then I think leave the kid out of it. But if you're looking for a potential mate and looking for a potential partner, just honesty is like, this is the possibility if we are ever to be together and you need to know that going into this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And have there been any, has that been easy and seamless for Jesus or have there been issues with sort of taking on a Darrow as his own? I don't think so. (laughs) It's kind of like we were... It was very, it was like, I think there's struggles definitely once my daughter was born, because there is that just different bond when it's your biological child. But for the most part, no, I think I laid the ground rules very early on. And so the first time Adara ever called him dad, we, we were living with roommates. So we were living with another family and he kept hearing this other kid call his dad, dad. And he had kind of been like, where's my dad? And I'm like, well, honey, you know, it's just me and you, bud. You know, you don't have it. You don't have a dad right now. And that's okay. Cause you have me. He was two, like barely two. And then we were in the car and he like asked my husband a question and he's like, um, he's like, can you turn on the light, dad? I mean, I mean, Seuss, my husband's name is Jesus and he used to call him Seuss. So he's like, can you turn on the light, dad? I mean, Seuss. Like, so he like backpedaled. It was almost like he was trying it out. It was so cute. And Jesus just looks over at me and like, and I was like, it was that okay? Like what? Like we didn't really say anything. And then it was kind of just like, oh, okay. And then it really was just over from there. Like, I feel like, yeah. 
yes, I had chosen Jesus, but Adaro chose him too. And that was really big for me. Like, I feel like, like your kids really got to choose them as well. Cause they're not just dating you. Like they're coming into an already set family. Oh, that's really cute. And was that before you guys were actually engaged and married or was that? Yeah, we, we had been dating like two months. Okay. <laughs> it was, yeah. The first time we have, yeah, we went to the grocery store once after dating for like two or three months and someone, he was holding Adaro in his arms and someone was like, oh, your son looks so much like you. Mm, <laughs> so it was just kind of, it just happened, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. was very wonderful. And I'm not saying there weren't struggles, but it, yeah, it was, an, it, it, it fit. It was mm-hmm. a clear puzzle piece that nice. fit. Nice. So can you also paint us a little bit of a picture of what it's like to parent solo versus partnered? Yeah. Some days I prefer being a prefer being a single mom honestly. <laughs> because so it was a struggle, but it's like you were making all the decisions for your child. There was nobody that you had to consult. Like you could just decide what they eat. You could decide whether, you know, the doctor you go to, you can decide what, like if, cause I'm really into alternative medicine, you can decide to do alternative medicine. You, and you just have all the decision-making power for for you and that child. So then bringing in a partner, it's difficult. So there's all of these wonderful, parts of it, you know, Daryl had a male role model and it, it really did fit, but sometimes it's a struggle because now there's another person in your life that you have to consult with over every little decision when it pertains to your children. That was very different. That was a big transition for me going from being a single mom. And like when you're a single mom, there's just this independence. Like I can do it myself because you have to do it yourself. You don't have a choice. So the trans now it's a little easier, but like the transition from like allowing someone to help me was really hard. And I know that that sounds like some people are like, oh, you had a hard time with someone helping you. But it, it was like I was used to just doing things on my own and having someone come in and doing things together is a, is a big change. And I wouldn't I wouldn't change it for the world. Like even with all of the struggles, you know, I, I love my husband. I love my two kids. But when it comes to like parenting, being, like having sole decision making is much easier than having having to consult another, mm-hmm. another mm-hmm. person. Well, at least in my, in my experience, because <laughs> I do have the contrast. Yeah, no, I think it's great to hear. Cause I, I think a lot of those of us who are single and still single sort of, that's one of the things we love about it, but we don't have a comparison. So it's just nice to hear from someone who does actually have a comparison. And what would you say sort of are the benefits or the yeah. perks of maybe this is obvious, but I still think it'd be interesting to hear like the benefits of being partnered and raising kids. Well, for example, right now I'm able to have a minute to myself to talk with you and I'm just like, hey hubby, watch the kids. <laughs> so so yeah, there are there are benefits to co-parenting. You know, we take turns um putting the kids to bed at night. Like we alternate days. And whereas before it's like, I was just on, on, on all the time as a single mom. And, you know, my husband, even when we were together, he worked far away. So I was still a single mom for a long time in that aspect where it was just me, sole caregiver doing it all. So now I get, yeah, I get every other night I can do, I can just lay in bed and scroll through my phone if I want to, because he's putting the kids to bed, which is really wonderful. 
Yeah, that sounds really nice as a single mom who's, I mean, as yeah, there's oh, no yeah. break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I and I know, I know how you I know how you feel. Like, yeah, like I was up all night last night with my daughter who was sick. She had a fever. And I remember being a single mom, like I still had to get up and function the next day. Like there was no one backing me up. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that you know, so I get it. I remember. Yeah. And so then I know that you have a pretty interesting story that we're here in Mexico together and that you had something that happened to your family that was like the ultimate reimagining of your life. Can you tell us a little bit about how you guys ended up in Mexico? Yes. So two years ago, my so my husband was raised undocumented in the U.S. He was brought over to the U.S. when he was four years old. And about two years ago, we he had had some criminal charges that we were trying to clear up in court. And he was the immigration system in the U.S. isn't perfect, but we won't go there. So he was taken into custody by ICE and then served four months in federal prison for being there undocumented and then deported to Mexico. So we had, I had four months while my husband was in prison to pack up my entire life and figure out moving to another country with two small children. So that was fun for lack of a better word. (laughs) (laughs) And that was because basically he was not ever going to be allowed back into the U.S. under any circumstances. Yes. So right at, as it stands right now, he has a permanent bar. So we would have to wait even, so it's 10 years that you have to wait to even file for a waiver to get the the bar removed. Mm. But so at this point for at least for the foreseeable future, we're not, we're not going anywhere. The only place we can, like we can go anywhere in the world, but the U.S which is where our family is, which is, so it's kind of hard sometimes, but I really learned to love Mexico and I feel like it's a wonderful place to raise children, especially like, because having bilingual children just really sets them up for success in life, mm-hmm. having dual language. So even through all the struggles, it's been, you know, yeah, it was a reimagining. Like it was, it was like the best adventure that was ever forced upon us is how I describe it. <laughs> because, because <laughs> we didn't have a choice. Like we, mm-hmm. I, I had no choice. Like I had to keep my family together, but instead of fighting that, I just surrendered. It was like, okay, this is my life now. And there are mm-hmm. so many positive things to raising children in Mexico that I, that I love. Like my son corrects my Spanish. Like he's almost completely bilingual. It's so sweet. And the pace of life is so wonderful here when you want that quality time that a lot of people don't get in the States. And so even through all the struggle, I think that raising children in Mexico is pretty sweet deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's just, I think, good to be reminded that these things come up in life that feel devastating and are devastating, not just feel devastating. And then yeah. there happens, there is a silver lining many of the times if you can, you know, tap into that surrender. Definitely. I like, I, I always use the comparison of sacrifice versus surrender. And I like to apply that to motherhood too. So I think there are mothers out there that feel like having children is a sacrifice that you have to sacrifice who you are. You have to sacrifice your, like what you want to do in order to have children or you can, but I think that most women surrender to this. My life is not what I thought it would be, but it, but it is what it is. So you just surrender and adapt and, and love it, you know? And 
I think that that's what we had to do in this situation too. Like, I don't feel like I sacrificed anything moving to Mexico. I feel like I just surrendered to our new circumstances. That's really beautiful. I love that. That is very cool. And I think I feel similarly that sort of becoming a mom and feeling, being able to adjust to it really was what you're saying, a surrender versus, and trying not to fight it. I think that's huge to your happiness as a mom and in life. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Hey. So in general, what advice would you give to someone who was contemplating single motherhood and maybe specifically contemplating it as a, as a younger woman? What advice? I would, I would just say if you'd like you truly, truly want a child, then do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, and there's still time for life after children. Like it's not like, it's a huge change, but in my opinion, it's for the better. And yeah, like technology lends itself to us choosing when we become a mother and we no longer have to depend on being in a relationship in order to do that. So take advantage of it. And if it's in your heart to become a mother, whenever you want, then just go for it. That's great advice. Oftentimes women who are younger are sort of like less set up financially potentially and feel like they can't do it because of that. Any advice around that piece of the equation sort of? I think that people think babies are more expensive than they actually are. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. I just, you know, with my, with my daughter, like I had the, I, and I, I was definitely had that thought as well. And I lived with my parents when I had a Darrow, but when I had my daughter, like we were not like, I was in a, I was in a couple, like me and my husband were getting married and we still had like, Oh my God, the whole financial, the financial thing. But I breastfed, which is free. Um, <laughs> and I a lot I had I got hand-me-down clothes. I got like babies are really not as expensive as people as people think. And when you're going through alternative methods of getting pregnant, there are actually insurance options under family planning clauses if you have um, if you have a type of insurance. Like insurance paid for some of mine because I had had irregular periods in the past. So it paid for my procedure. I did have to pay out of pocket for my Clomid and I had to pay out of pocket for my, for my sperm. But even in the long run, I got a baby out of it. So (laughs) I think altogether it was less than a thousand dollars. And I know that it's a lot more expensive for some people, but my insurance allowed me to do that. Mm -hmm. So explore insurance options. Definitely. Yeah. I think it's pretty tricky, but you can, I think they can, if you're just doing IUIs, oftentimes they can code it as a regular, menstrual cycle but i think the coverage is still pretty bad but there are there are ways so that is true definitely look into that yeah and you can and i know you you know a lot more about this than i do i mean you know <laughs> did have the one experience seven years eight years ago but mm-hmm. but definitely i know i just know that there's ways and if you're mm-hmm. planning on doing it like you could save up Um, And if it's really that important to you, like, it's just like people saving up for a car, like just make a plan and make it happen if that's really what your heart needs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in hindsight, knowing what you know now, would you do anything differently 
along your path? I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't, I'm really content with where we are. And I think, you know, you can't really change the past. So I'm kind of a person where you just kind of got to accept it and, and move on. So, so I don't Mm -hmm. know if I'm the right person to answer a question like that. Like I don't, I can't (laughs) do anything. I can't do anything differently. So, so might as well just like accept it and look at where I am now. And Mm -hmm. I'm pretty content with where I am now. So no, I wouldn't have changed anything. Nice. And what would you say you like least about being a mother? Gosh, when they're sick, when they're sick, (laughs) the worst, I'm so tired. I'm so tired today. My daughter was up all night with a fever and I was just holding her and consoling her. And that is really, really hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what would you say you love most about being a mother? Every other part of it. I, 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 I don't know. I just love my kids. Like they're so fun and smart and we just have I treat them, I I just treat them like other human beings. So we just have these amazing conversations about life and like me and my, me and my son just like, we talk about life and God and death and, and siblings and parents. Like we just have these amazing conversations and I just Mm -hmm. love, I just love talking to them and getting to know who they are and like getting hopeful for who they'll become as human beings. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Any other advice you would add or anything else you want to add just in general before we close up? I don't know. Just just enjoy every moment of it. Enjoy every moment of your process of no matter how you become a mother, enjoy the the little moments in the beginning, even though they're hard, like you get to look back at those hard moments and go, I did it, you know, mm. and, and just try to find just like contentment in every little step of the way and cherish all of it. Mm, nice. I like that. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been awesome. I really love getting your perspective because it's quite different than many of the women I talk to. So I just really thank you for joining us, especially yeah, after feel- being up all night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's motherhood, right? <laughs> just yes. Get up and do it the next day. Yeah. So I really, I really appreciate you having me on here and very, you know, honored to know you. And it was kind of fun mm. when we first met when you told me your story. And I was like, hey, me too. <laughs> I know. Yes. I think it was like my second day in Mexico. Th- it was definitely my first day at the school, I think, where our kids are at the same yeah. school. That might have been the first or second day at school. And I was like, wow, this is cool. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I don't found honestly don't meet. Yeah. I don't really meet very many people who have had kids through alternative methods. And mm-hmm. there's actually quite a community here. So yes. yeah. Yeah. And nice I did actually want to understand. Mm-hmm. And I did also want to ask, I know people are interested I sort of what people do abroad to work. And I know you have a Facebook page and a, I'm not sure if it's the actual business name of the non-toxic unicorn. Did you want to mention something about that? Oh yeah. So I, I'm all about the side hustle. So I do have like three or four things because to make that dollar, if we're living in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the businesses I do is I'm a, I'm a beauty counter consultant mm-hmm. and um, my brand is the non-toxic unicorn, which is not only living non-toxically when it comes to products or cleaning supplies or anything like that, but just like being non-toxic in every aspect of, uh, of life and just trying to be who you are 
and letting go of just those emotional toxins as well. So that's where the concept of the non-toxic unicorn Mm. came about. And I also tried to provide safer solutions when it comes to products through beauty counter products or through other avenues, cleaning products and and stuff like that. And I'm always open to questions. If you want to find me on Facebook at the non-toxic unicorn, I, you know, love to give advice on living a non-toxic lifestyle. Awesome. I think that's, I mean, you've had definitely had a pretty intense experience of having not to have, you know, not allowing toxic emotions, I'm sure, when you were going through the process of your husband being deported and put in jail. Definitely. Definitely. (laughs) I'm like a good source for that. So. (laughs) Yeah. It's all about letting go and surrendering, girl. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, for sure. Um, All right. I will let you get back to your sick baby. Thanks again for joining us. Yeah. Thank you. All righty. Thanks for joining me today, and I hope you really enjoyed the different perspective that Katerina provided for us. Don't forget to check out my website, motherhoodreimagined.com, and look at my programs for thinkers and triers and solo and pregnant moms, as well as support groups for people who are thinking about moving abroad or making a big change somewhere in the world. And as always, please subscribe, leave a review, spread the word. I really appreciate your help in getting the word out about this project. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.